0: Welcome to Naples Talk Radio. Naples Talk Radio is a podcast where you go behind the scenes with the local community leaders to hear stories about how they are influencing and changing your Southwest Florida community. I'm your host, Mark Matos. Today I'll be meeting with Tammy and Joe Beloboch. Tammy is the president and founder of Help a Diabetic Child Foundation, and her husband Joe is a passionate volunteer. On December 22, 2010, their 16-year-old son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Soon they would find out diabetes is the leading cause of kidney failure, adult-onset blindness, as well as lower limb amputations. Diabetes is also a significant cause of heart disease, stroke, high blood pressure, and nerve damage. When they encountered the costs of treating their son back in 2010, they realized what a financial burden diabetes was on parents. As a result, they formed a foundation called Help a Diabetic Child Foundation. This is their story. Welcome to Naples Talk Radio. How are you today?
1: Wonderful. Thank you for having us.
0: Good, so tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got into this.
1: Okay, my name is um, Tammy Balavage and uh, my, background is I am, my background is I'm my background a floral designer by trade. But our son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes six and a half years ago. Tell um, me what
0: type 1 diabetes is.
1: Type 1 diabetes, and I do, I'm not going to speak on the medical part of it because I'm not a medical person, but it's uh, when you're um, pancreas... It doesn't stop producing beta cells, but it actually – they are attacked. It's an auto, um, autoimmune disease where your beta cells are being attacked and they so no longer – So your long-
0: body attacks itself.
1: Pretty much so. Ta- inside, it attacks the beta cells inside the pancreas that produce the um, insulin. And so you become insulin dependent as a type 1 diabetic.
0: And how is that different from type 2 diabetes?
1: Um, type 2 diabetes is, is insulin resistant more than it is it's not an autoimmune disease, it's more of um, it, like a insulin resistant and it can t- type 2 can almost be controlled, can't be cured from what I understand. I'm not a medical person, but diet, exercise, lifestyle change can help with type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is you are insulin dependent for the rest of your life there is that has nothing to do with diet exercise eating habits nothing it's um you are insulin dependent
0: so this organization that you started this foundation help a diabetic child is this focused on diabetes type one and type two
1: well what our organization is our mission is to purchase diabetes supplies and insulin for children whose families are having financial difficulties Uh, with that being said, we do, we will help a child if they do have type two, we do not, we will help type one and type two. We mostly find, um, people coming and asking for help who have type one because most children are, are diagnosed with type one than they are with type two.
0: Okay. So if more children are are diagnosed with type one, a question that I have for you, um, in, in, in Joe, you can answer this too. is basically you help kids, right? Because this is obviously extremely expensive. So if you have type one or type two diabetes and you have a child, I mean, the cost of living in Colorado County or Lee County is extremely high. And you combine that with a medical need and costs rise dramatically. What are the costs associated with type one or type two diabetes?
2: That's the primary reason uh, Tammy founded the organization. Um, when we started, uh, the cost for a vial of insulin was about $200 retail. And a vial of insulin usually lasts a, a, um, about a month for a child, depending on, on their usage, but, but about for 30 days. So that's
0: so it, about $2,400 a year?
2: Just for the insulin. Now, in addition to that, a uh, child with type 1 diabetes has to check his or her blood sugar sometimes 10, 12, 15 times a day. That means they, they poke their finger, they take a strip, put the blood on the strip, put it into a meter. Fifteen times a day. Sometimes more. You know, sometimes more depending on what's going on. If they have a cold or a flu or a virus or something that, is, that would, would uh, not affect anybody else, their blood sugars can, can rise and, and fall dangerously. So a child with type 1 must check uh, continuously. Uh, each strip... Costs anywhere between fifty cents and a dollar and five cents. So if you do that ten times a day, and don't fifteen have, bucks a day, and you don't have insurance, uh, and it means you means it's a matter of life and death, uh, people pretty much do whatever they can. And some of the sometimes they do, when when they do what they can, it's not do enough. I'll check my child in the morning, but I can't send him to school with any strips because I'm only allowed by my insurance to receive so many strips this month.
0: So, what dictates that the insurance companies?
2: Sometimes it does. Uh, uh, physicians can usually override that uh, if there's a ex- certain ex- exception, but sometimes insurance companies specifically say, "This is how much, we'll, how many strips we'll pay for," because someone other than a medical person sometimes make a, makes a determination is is how the best uh, medical care is is delivered. And as Tammy said, type one diabetes is an autoimmune disease, where, again, um, at our conference. Coming up in, in November, one of our board members will be speaking about his new discovery, where where uh, he's talked about uh, he's talked about uh, insulin actually is continued to be produced. It's just not usable insulin that's that's being produced. And uh, interesting, yeah. Uh, like with any other autoimmune autoimmune disease, whether it's uh, multiple sclerosis, whether it's Crohn's disease, whether it's uh, psoriasis, whether it's anything any other those autoimmune diseases. The body as you said attacks itself and in this case the t cells attack the beta cells which are the cells that produce insulin and just say you don't belong here kill it and the pancreas just kind of goes to sleep
0: i understand that from a medical standpoint yeah right but you started this because your your child had type 1 diabetes correct
1: yes that is correct
0: and what was that like
1: well um after he was diagnosed with diabetes um we our first visit to the pharmacy, we our, our bill was out of this, I mean, it was so high. What was it? And we have insurance. I remember spending all just to get him out of the hospital was like $800 just to get the product he needed, and we do have insurance.
0: So the first time you went, you actually had to take him to the hospital? Yes. And that's where you discovered there was some testing done? Yes. And that's where that incredible bill came from. Yes, and it became really a life or death situation. It
1: is. It's a life or death because without insulin, you will die.
0: So you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. Make a substitute.
1: You can't. You cannot. You have, as as a person, individual dealing with type one diabetes, you absolutely there is no if answer. But you have to have insulin, and you have to have it with you at all times. It's not like with certain medications, you can say, well, maybe I'll you know break this pill in half or I'll do whatever. Insulin, you can't because if you don't take the insulin. Your glucose levels will rise, and if you have high glucose levels, you'll either end up in the hospital with DKA, or you will end up, according to the American Diabetes Association, which I have written here, you you are at a greater risk for many serious health problems, even at a young age, which include, um, you know, kidney problems, eye pro- eye, eye problems, um, you know, there's it just affects your nervous system, it affects your, um, you know many things.
0: And how old was your child at the time?
1: Our son was diagnosed at 16. He uh, he was in his junior year of high school. He started to lose weight. And he's a very tall, he was very tall, very thin. And, you know, he couldn't afford to lose weight. So he started to lose weight. He was drinking excessively. And he was um, using the bathroom more often, urinating more than usual. And he became uh, very tired you know, needed rest. And those are all the symptoms. All this, I'm not going to say all the symptoms. Again, I'm not a medical person, but those are some of the things you have to look out the for. The warning signs. The warning signs, thank yeah. you. Warning signs for uh, t- someone who's dealing with type 1 diabetes. So my husband has a little, he, you know, he's been in the medical field. I have not. So he recognized the signs and we quickly made a appointment to see his pediatrician. And I was in denial. So then when we took Michael to the doctor, um, they did a test on his urine, and they noticed there were sugar levels uh, high in his urine. So we did blood work, and then the blood work showed that his glucose levels at that time were about 500. The average glucose levels are anywhere for a non-diabetic is between, so what is it, 80 to 100? 80 to 100. He was at nearly 500, and he was, at, he was actually at a lower end because I hear stories of some children who were a lot higher than that. Some of them are even in the thousands. But it becomes very almost a life and death situation as far as that's concerned.
0: Okay, speaking to that, what happens if you didn't get him insulin?
1: His numbers would just keep rising. And then he would, um, if I'm correct here, Joe, go into DKA, and eventually he would just die because there, there would be nothing to help bring down those glucose levels, no that's what you absolutely need that insulin for.
0: So are a lot of people aware of this?
1: I think there's a lot of focus being put out there on educating, you know, the cure, you know, not if there isn't a cure, but, you know, a lot of um, research. But I don't think there's a lot of people who really understand, in my opinion, the costs that are associated with Diabetes. Because- okay,
0: so your kid he gets diabetes. Yes. Right. You find out that he he's got this disease. It's a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Suddenly you're confronted with this eight hundred dollar bill, and you know costs are going to start to mount. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You max out your credit cards. You take out a home equity loan. Yes. You rob a bank. It's your kid, right? Yes.
1: You'll do whatever you can. I mean, we um, we're actually because we have our insurance, and you know it still is a struggle you know, to get the supplies, because Joe had mentioned earlier that a vial of insulin at the time our son was diagnosed, and I'm going to say, Joe, I think he said $200, but it was less than that, because I've been keeping track of the prices. I call pharmacies on a regular basis. Right now, a vial of insulin is over $300. And if you use the Fleck pens, the five pens, that come loaded with insulin, which a lot of people who have diabetes use—the Flex pens or the Quick pens, Humalog or Novolog—they are a little over six hundred dollars now for five pens.
0: So our costs are rising. Oh, absolutely. And why?
1: That's a question that seems to be—I
2: don't know. Let me answer that. Me. Yes. Uh, Mark Atkinson is a—he's um, the director of the University of Florida Diabetes. Uh, Institute and Mark is the um, he's, he's like the, the go to guy in the world in diabetes, and he also is a, uh, a part of a world consortium that is trying to determine how they can make it make a uh, uh, something more reasonable as far as the cost of insulin. For example, he told me that the cost to produce a vial of the genetically produced insulin, uh, most of the doctors don't order the uh. The, the, the pig or the cow insulin anymore. It's, it's now genetically produced. that is very similar to what, what a human produces. Uh, anyway, the cost of production of that is about a $1.19 per vial. In India, for example, a vial of insulin is $3. In Canada, it's $25. In the United States, it's $300 a vial. Um, what's the reason for that? Um I know that Eli Lilly has a great bottom line when it comes to their um, their insulin.
0: So you think you think that's that's a major reason is just the the drug companies have lots of pricing power.
2: I think that's that that's a substantial part of the reason. Uh, you remember when uh, just a few months ago when the um, the young young guy bought the uh, drug company that manufactures the EpiPens mm-hmm. and you dramatically raised the price up. Well there was a there was an outrage well, an EpiPen is a one time thing that you carry just in case you eat a peanut, or just in case you get stung by a bee, or just in case you happen to have an anaphylactic reaction and you may or may not ever use it. Uh, insulin is something that if you don't use, you'll die. Uh, to, as one of our board so members. So the price
0: is whatever, whatever they want. And
2: it, it, it kind of equated to you have, a, you have a, a, an, Ill, an illicit drug habit, you kind of do whatever you can. And we've had parents who have done whatever they can. They've, tried, they've diluted their insulin with, with water, taken a, a vial of insulin and tried to you know, cut it 50-50 so they get at least a little bit of something. They w- will withhold food from a child because when you give a child food, they've got to have insulin, a child with type 1 diabetes. Uh, like Tammy said, if you don't have the, uh, the insulin to unlock the, uh, the glucose so it can get into your cells, it just, it just flows freely throughout your entire body and, and the, the glucose, which is sugar, it's extremely inflammatory. It's very, very destructive to any one of us, whether you have type 1 or whether you don't have type i I've pepper. heard
0: that a lot, that sugar is toxic.
2: Extremely toxic, yeah.
0: And that it's it's literally in almost every single processed food that we buy. Pretty much. But it's, it's horrible for
2: us. Yeah, it is. And the reason uh, why it's even worse for someone with – it's kind of like a double-edged sword for someone with type 1 diabetes. For example, if you have someone who has type 1 diabetes and they go very, very low, well – they need to get sugar as quickly as possibly, possible. Otherwise, they can go so low where they'll just go become comatose. Mm-hmm. If they take too much, like Tammy said, if they don't have enough insulin, what will happen is they will go into what what's, she mentioned, DKA, which is diabetic ketoacidosis, and that means they'll start uh, digesting their, their, um, their muscles pretty much. And that causes could cause rapid brain swelling, a coma, and really rapid rapid death.
0: Serious it's, health problems.
2: It's scary. Oh, yeah. It's it's a scary yeah. and long term, yeah. long term uh, um, amputations, heart disease, kidney disease, vision vision problems is one of the big problems with uh, with uh, uh, kids with diabetes. Yeah?
0: So, are you primarily focused in Collier County?
2: We try to maintain a focus in Collier and Lee County as much as possible. However, we do have some some uh, ref, uh, referrals out, outside of the area.
0: Okay, so. As far as the organization that you have, you have a foundation, <clears throat> you're looking to solicit donations. and what do you do with that?
2: The donations mm-hmm. goes directly to the, the program uh, uh, purposes. And that's to purchase insulin, testing supplies. Uh, we, we now uh, in fact, we just uh, on the way down, we had a, a call from uh, a university hospital to, to see if we would be able to fund uh, seven visits for a child who has type 1 diabetes who requires psychological counseling. There's a very specific uh, and unique...
0: Because that could be really traumatic to a kid. Well,
2: right? it, it, it is, and, and it becomes esoteric um, even more so. Uh, uh, one of our board members is the former president of the American Diabetes Association, Department of, Educa- uh, Department of Health Healthcare and Education. His name is David Marrero. And Dr. Marrero is out at the University of Arizona now. And uh, David has type 1 diabetes himself. He's a psychologist, and he was writing a program, a uh, protocol, I should say, on how for, for behavioral health specialists to treat people with diabetes specifically. And this university we got a call from this morning is not in Arizona. It's, it's here in the state of Florida. And the director of that program is doing the same thing at his university. Because when your blood sugar goes high, it's kind of like itching powder on the inside. When it goes low, it's just the opposite your entire personality changes.
0: Wow. So what's, what's the demand for this in Colorado County, or Lee County? Like how many people do you have that are seeking insulin right now from well, your organization?
1: Well, we since since uh, we started our 501c3, uh, we have helped, it's approximately 90 to 100 families right now. Um, we do help kids who, uh, young adults who are in college too. They seem to be the ones after they turn 18, they're in college, they lose their insulin. Um, going back to what we talked about even with the insulin, you know, if a, if a person who has type 1 diabetes and they need a vial of insulin, just so you know, to explain, they, it's not just one vial they use per month, It's it could be two, it could be three. If you're using a vial, you need the long-acting insulin and you actually need the fast-acting insulin. So you actually need two vials Per, per month, going at all times. So how you're much talking
0: each vial cost.
1: I just as I checked, like I said, it's uh, approximately three hundred dollars, a little over three hundred dollars a vial per
0: vial. Yes. So six hundred dollars a month. Yes, if for a college insurance. kid, that's just you know. You well, I mean, without if it's, insurance. Mark, right?
1: is it okay if I just read something to you from a college sure. student? Okay, this is from one of our first college students that we helped. And she wrote, as a college student, my monthly budget is tight between rent, utility bills, and a bit of food. I have no money to spare. I cannot afford health insurance and the lack of Medicaid expansion in my state left me behind. This has created a dangerous situation for me because I have type 1 diabetes. Without the basic supplies I need, it's only a matter of time before I die. That's a scary thing to think about. I was so fortunate to find help getting insulin a meter And test strips through Help a Diabetic Child. Their generosity has sustained me while I was in critical place. I've now found a job with insurance, but without HADC, I couldn't have made it to this point in the healthy way that I have. Thank you for the health and thank you for your help. All the best.
0: So, for that kid, this made a huge difference.
1: Uh, It helped. Well, I look at it this way, and by working with some, helping some of these college students without an education, without a degree, they're not, you know, they wanna get a job that is going to provide um, their insurance. And if if it becomes between paying for your diabetes supplies and insulin or paying for school, you know, you're gonna probably pay for your insulin, which is gonna leave you, you know, without attending college. So it's really, sometimes it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a very difficult choice, but there's really, at the end, you have to pick the insulin.
0: How did the ACA affect insulin, the Affordable Care Act? Did that increase access or did that decrease access? Well,
1: from what I'm not really – from the families we help, they – one of the problems I could say with the ACA is the um, high deductibles, that the ACA – you know, you can get an insurance plan for, you know – they say very a reasonable price whatever it may be but you have to
0: choose the cost of ownership is very high
1: exactly and that's that's some of the problems we find with the ACA is that and now with some of the um, insurance companies pulling out and even with our insurance company our son was using Umolog insulin now we've received a notice that Umolog is no longer no longer on his our plan it's not he has to switch to another insulin yeah. which is very similar but it's becoming you know we you know of course we don't want to switch but what are you going to do what are you going to do yeah well what are you <laughs> going to do you have no choice you have to give them the you know get them the insulin
0: so if you get them the insulin right and you know the costs are going up and you mentioned that there's cuts on the state programs um what are you guys doing to combat that
2: uh we're not actively doing anything about that other than taking phone calls and saying we'll do the best we can to help you and trying to recruit as much as many dollars as we possibly can to to help help the the kids in need there are other organizations that are doing that the american diabetes association has a large large contingent um uh, trying to to kind of rein the prices in Uh, as i said uh, there's other organizations throughout the, the world that, that are trying to do exactly the same thing. And it's just not on insulin. It's, not, it's on drug prices in general, and certain, you know, especially life-sustaining drugs. And uh, insulin is probably the most life-sustaining drug um, outside of air and water that uh, uh, you can get. I just wanted to mention the one girl that Tammy mentioned, but the, the college student, uh, we were able to get her through grad school, and she is now working at uh, Jocelyn Diabetes Center in uh, Massachusetts, which is, wow. which is the largest, uh, one of the largest in the world. And she's got a uh, good administrative position there, and she's doing a lot of paying it forward.
0: So if somebody's interested in making a contribution to your organization, which is essentially raising funds to go and give insulin to kids that need it, how would they contact you?
1: Uh, they could go to our website, which is uh, www.helpadiabeticchild.org. Um, and you could contact us. Our contact information is right there, um, and that would probably be the best way for them to go on our website, make a donation. Our address is there. If somebody wanted to send in a check or, you know, do a, a donation right online, and most of most of the um, most of our uh, funding comes from donations, so we rely heavily on um, um, the community helping us out.
0: So if you had one takeaway for a listener to come away with today, what would that be?
1: Uh, one takeaway would be I would want a listener to to try to understand that even though we're talking a lot about insulin, that there isn't just the insulin that is important to a child with diabetes. We are talking about syringes, pen needles, test strips, glucose mo- uh, testing monitors, uh, glucagon pens, uh, glucose tablets, there is a whole slew, lancets that are involved in a child's daily life that they have to carry with them at all times. So the insulin is obviously the most important, but you also need the other supplies to help administer the insulin and the um, keeping the glucose levels under control. I think to know that any donation that made to help a diabetic child is absolutely gonna be used to help these children stay as healthy as possible, that we can help as best as we can to get them to a point where maybe someday there is a cure and they will be around to be able to receive that cure. But in the meantime, we have families who might have more than one child. And if you have one child is suddenly diagnosed with type one diabetes, the other children do, they feel the pain too because now all the resources are put into that one child and diabetes is on the increase. Nobody seems to know why, but speaking Both with type one and type two, yes, type one, I'm going to speak on type one right now, type one um, from what we were at a, um, a meeting not too long ago, and we learned that there have been over 20 some new cases of type one diabetes in children in Collier County alone. So whatever the reason is, we don't know, but type two obviously is on the rise too. And um, so that's the one takeaway is to realize that this is, this is your, these children are carrying their life in a, a little bag that has all their supplies. And if they even lose that bag, which we've had that happen. And that's why families have called us. One mom called because their house burned down and inside the house was this child's everything they needed to live. So this is their life in their hands that they carry with them wherever they go so that's that's the takeaway i would hope that people could understand that this why this is so important to my husband joe and i is that you know if we get a phone call from a family a mom or dad or whoever saying this child absolutely needs insulin we had a mom call us from a hospital and she said i am not leaving the the lobby of the hospital to live insulin. Well, obviously, they couldn't, for whatever reason, give it to her. But parents are desperate. This is their child. So this is why, this is what I would like to take away, you know, to have everybody take away knowing that diabetes is a very complicated disease, and it requires a lot of attention. And it's just, um, you know, there's a few, uh, per- I don't know what the percentage is that, you know, they can afford this disease, that can afford all the devices which is the insulin pump and the glucose you know monitor and you know all the above but that's that's a small percentage to the amount of families that are have, have to just buy the basics you know you're talking about a syringe and an insulin vial you know a child having to pull insulin out of a vial with the syringe you know it's just reality that's their life
0: so if a parents having a crisis what do they do
1: as far as when they need supplies. Who they contact? Well, they we hope. They know about us. Hopefully well, one us. of the good things is with the school nurses and the doctors and, and knowing that, our, you know, organization is becoming well-known well, uh, uh, well known in the community that um, they know to call us.
0: Right, because you have an office at the YMCA.
1: We actually, we work. We partner with the YMCA in a lot of programs, um, and we work out of their – when possible. And that's the
0: one located on Pine Ridge? Yes.
1: YMCA is a a good partner with us. In fact, uh, they're um, partnering with us on our Diabetes Education, our Diabetes Awareness Outreach Series, which we do monthly. And you can also check out those series on our website where we uh, address several topics dealing with diabetes, new devices, nutrition. You know, we have uh, diabetic educators coming in to speak. And we are fortunate to have them as a partner in our uh, third annual Southwest Florida Diabetes Conference, which will be open to the general public. It's a cost of ten dollars to get in and to meet with um, t- some of the top researchers in the world to talk about not just type one but type two also. Where is that? That's going to be held at the uh, Na- Greater Naples YMCA on November fifth. And we don't want any family or anybody out there to feel they like if you if you if you need to go, you can go with you know contact us you know there's scholarships available to we just want to get as many people there who are looking for information on how to better treat their diabetes and to speak with our, our speakers and our guests who are going to be there to answer questions well thank you thank you for having us we really appreciate it
0: again uh joe and tammy belavage founders of help a diabetic child thank you thank you for listening to naples talk radio